Welcome to Your Big Sister, the podcast with the big sister you always wanted. I'm Marina, and I'm a big sister, functional medicine health coach, and bookworm. And I'm Liz. I'm a little sister, cryptocurrency educator, and reality TV expert. We live 1,338 miles apart, but still support each other through health, career, relationships, and life. These are our conversations. Hi, Marina. Hi, Liz. How's life? How's it going? Jinx. Did you celebrate the 4th of July? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I did not celebrate the 4th of July, um, not only because uh, I don't support colonizer holidays, uh, but also because I hate fireworks. Yeah, I think everyone hates fireworks, um, except me. I'm guilty of shooting off fireworks. I went to the Muckleshoot Indian Reservation on the July 3rd, actually, um, because while fireworks are banned everywhere in South Puget Sound, um, the Muckleshoot Indian tribe has very, um, in a very entrepreneurial way, they sell fireworks and then they allow you to set them off on their property. So they're profiting off the colonizer holiday. I have a lot of respect for that. I have a lot of respect for that. Oh, I think that that's brilliant. <laughs> I um, Do you find, so does the fireworks ban actually work or do you still see people illegally shooting off fireworks in residential areas? You know, it actually does work, I think. So there's definitely people who still shoot off fireworks, but it's very few. And the cops here are really adamant about catching people. There's a $530 fine for shooting off fireworks. Wow. And that gets me cops, by the way, that wasn't copaganda. So, mm-hmm. but whatever, I can that <laughs> they are keeping the fireworks going in place. Any other time, no copaganda allowed. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wish that, um, I wish that I had faith that just like concern for the environment and concern for neighbors would be enough to get New Mexicans to give up their fireworks, but I just don't think that it will be. So I think that ticketing and fines would definitely be effective. Um, the illegal like fireworks that sound, they're like, I don't know, they're rockets and they sound like cannons. I don't know what they're called, but those were particularly popular this holiday. Oh no. How did, um, how did you fare? Well, on the 4th of July, not well. I just didn't sleep. I just stayed up till around 3.30 in the morning when things finally died down. That's the other thing. Um, just lots of people setting off fireworks until the wee hours of the morning. I just, I don't really understand the mindset of somebody who is going to be out on a residential street at 3 a.m. shooting off fireworks. Um, right. It's not that fun. I mean, it is fun, but not that fun. Right. But I would say it past my bedtime to do it. <laughs> yeah. I even read a couple of Reddit threads that was like, I wouldn't mind if fireworks were just contained between the hours of like sunset and 10:30 PM. Right. You know, that would even be different. Like at least then you could like steal yourself and know that there was an end in sight. But for the few days leading up to and two or three days after the fourth, it was just like Constant. cannons going till around two or three each morning. Um, but the good news is that the fireworks have mostly died down now. Um, we are dealing with, you know, nearly three digit, temperatures Um, but but you have ac right well i don't yet i'll be moving next week into my house that has ac wait you don't have ac at your apartment i mean i have a swamp cooler but i don't that's not ac right right 
Yikes. I'm glad you're moving. You know a thing or two about heat waves and AC. <laughs> I do, yeah. But thankfully, our heat wave is over in the Northwest, and yeah. we're back to our regularly scheduled forecast, which is 70 degrees, sometimes raining in the summertime. It's great. A perfect Seattle summer. Perfect Seattle summer. It's the only time that makes it worth living here. The other nine months out of the year are just garbage. Oh, my goodness. You know, I actually think that's a great segue into the topic that I wanted to talk to you about today, which is moving to a new city. Mm, yeah. Um, so, you know, you just mentioned Seattle's weather and how it's garbage nine months out of the year. <laughs> um, you actually moved to Seattle of your own accord as an adult. Um, so how did the idea of moving there take root inside your mind? Oh, that's so that's such a good question because I was recently reading an article on it was probably BuzzFeed or Bustle or one of those websites. Um, and it was talking about things that are chuggy. So Gen Z calls things that like millennials like. They have this new word called chuggy. Are you familiar with this? I've seen it around, but I didn't I wasn't aware that it it was about millennials. It's like Harry Potter's chuggy, coffee's chuggy. I'm like, I can't believe coffee is like how can our dogs, coffee? puppers, doggos, our doggos chuggy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah I'm like ugh, why why are you hating on Harry Potter anyways um so one thing that's chuggy is the is the PNW because apparently millennials love the PNW and I fall right into that stereotype because <laughs> you know my best friend from childhood moved here well it's Portland um for college and I came to visit her for the 4th of July actually in 2012 And at the time, I remember just loving it. The weather was perfect. And at the time, I thought Portland was just this, like, really fun, hip, progressive place. And it is, but I think that there's more nuance to that now that I know. Um, I love, like, the water and the mountains. It's just, like, such a beautiful place to be. And then my first job out of college, I was working as a Microsoft contractor. So I would come out to the Seattle area for work once a quarter. And I just really loved it. I mostly loved the weather and I thought it was beautiful. So I always wanted to live here. So I just like looked for a job for two years straight and I was applying to every job that I could find in Portland or Seattle. And I eventually got a job in Seattle and then I moved here. Wow. I love that. That is, that is very chooky. That's so millennial. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like I love living here now and I'm I'm so happy that I live here. But apparently it's chuggy. And I will say though, it was very much romanticized like during the Tumblr era. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And I think um, so that's like sort of an interesting thing, like the way that you perceive a city when you don't live there versus the way that you come to know a city when you do live there. Uh, what were this, what are some of the things that you like believed about Seattle before you moved there and that have shifted over time the longer you're there? Yeah, uh, well, you know, we like lived in Kansas City, which is in the Midwest and definitely like has is very conservative. And so I think I wanted to live somewhere that was more progressive and more liberal. So I thought originally, that I would be moved, that it would be, again, just like this very 
progressive place that was environmentally friendly, which is true. Um, But I think a lot of me wanting to live here was, again, this idea of it being progressive and just like very fun and cool, a cool hip place for young people. So I think it is a cool, hip place for young people. Um, But I think what I have come to realize about Seattle is that it's very much curated by developers, by real estate developers. So I think at one time, probably in the early 90s, Seattle was a place that was very, very much had its own identity that was like... um, very much for artists and uh, like a a safe haven for the LGBTQ plus community. But the way Seattle is now, especially like with the Amazon takeover is that it's very expensive to live here. Um, So, you know, unless you're making $200,000 a year at a tech company, you can't really like live, have, have a good standard of living. But beyond that, everything is built by big corporations. So a good example would be, I really used to love this place called the local public eatery. They had great like food and had always had like rotating beers on tap. And I used to hang out there all the time because I thought it was so cool. Come to find out the local public eatery is owned by Doughy's, which is like a chain restaurant, like Applebee's. Mm-hmm. And so that's just like an example of how everything is here, right? It seems local. It seems uh, like everything is just community driven and organic and whatnot, but actually it's very much planned by developers to feel but developers that. and corporations have targeted that experience to yes appeal to Seattleites. That's exactly right. And so there's not a lot of things that feel very original here. So I it's would, like, it sounds like you live in a targeted advertising algorithm. I literally do. I love it. It feels like the Truman show. <laughs> Um, and I, I think as far as like progressive values go, I think what I came to find is like, yes, on the surface, people are progressive here, but it's very much like white liberal elitism is very strong here. So a good example I would, you know, is uh, ge- of course it's very expensive to live. So gentrification is just like rampant um across the city in every neighborhood and historically black communities that were redlined um you know families of color are being kicked out and you know white people are moving in and they're putting black lives matter signs in their in their lawn yet not being aware that what they're doing is displacing families of color so there's just that dynamic across the city where it just feels very uh very much like the Truman Show. Very fake. Wow. These are the things that I think are so hard to know before you move to a place. And also things that I think about whenever I hear people say that they want to leave Albuquerque, for instance. A lot of people that are born here like want to leave and, and live somewhere else. And they're being driven by that idealized version they have of other cities. And I've never found a good way without being a total wet blanket Um, because I do want to encourage people to move. I think it's one of the most powerful things that you can do for yourself, but also just how to realistically say like, okay, just like be aware, like no, every city has humans in it. 
Like no cities, like right. the perfect oasis. Exactly. Like everywhere has their problems. And exactly. I think another part of like idealizing a city or having this kind of romanticized version of it is that it's like, it's just performative. Like I remember when Trump was in office, they, excuse me, Ivanka's dad was in office. They wanted to, the federal government was going to remove funding from sanctuary cities and our governor and our mayor stood up to him and said like, we'll always be a sanctuary city. Yet, if I was seeking asylum from another country and I came to Seattle, my quality of life would be so bad. Like, there's not enough housing. There's not enough, like, social services to help people to, like, assimilate or, like, not – I don't think that assimilation is the right word, but, like, get settled in the city. And so mm-hmm. – performative like it felt very performative right like on the news we're saying like we're a sanctuary city but on like the reality of the situation is that like we can't actually support asylum seekers we being the government or the city government can't actually support asylum seekers in the Mm -hmm. way they can and so it's kind of projecting this image that's completely false in my opinion gosh yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah Um, but you Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, and given all this, so it's like, I feel like after, you know, how long have you been in Seattle? Six, wait, yeah, six years. So given all this, given the six years you've been there, you know, you sort of, you have, it sounds like you have like a really clear, you know, insight into the pros and cons of Seattle, Um, but you've decided to stay. So why? I ask myself that all the time. (laughs) I think, a, I think a big part of it is that I moved out of the city. I now live in the suburbs. I live in a more diverse area. Um, and well, I, I'm kind of like further removed from the Truman Show that is the actual city limits of Seattle. Mm-hmm. So I live in like what's referred to the South Sound, so South Puget Sound. And it's definitely a lot more comfortable here in terms of things being, feeling like they're more authentic. Um the community that I live in is, I would say, predominantly like a Latinx community. So there's lots of businesses that are owned by Latinx people. There's, um, you know, like lots of more community oriented things going on. So it doesn't feel like the gentrification has hit this part of the suburbs yet, although it, it definitely feels like it's coming. Like every month, it seems like things are changing in a way that doesn't feel authentic to the community so and you know it's it's also hard to grapple with like what part am I playing in that right coming in as like a new home buyer in 2019 not Mm -hmm. necessarily being a native to this community um what role am I playing in that but I mean I think you probably experienced the same thing too because you moved to Albuquerque from Chicago Mm -hmm. so what led to your decision to move because mine was just purely for funsies. Was for yours funsies. for funsies too? Um, I, I would say the general trajectory that brought me here was for funsies. Yes. I mean, and maybe this is a millennial thing too. I, well, you'll remember, you remember we were living together in Kansas city and I got a job offer for a job in Chicago. Yeah. And like, I didn't, it's not like I wanted to go to Chicago. I hadn't even actually applied for that job. I had applied for a different job and interviewed for it. And the recruiter, her exact feedback was that I was a little green for that position. (laughs) Um, But that she had another role that she thought I would be good for. 
Um, and I just like at that time in my life was like, yeah, I mean, it's a big job. They're going to pay me 70 grand. Like I can move. Like, yeah, it's 24. And, um, so I took it and then I was miserable in Chicago. I mean, I didn't even have any idealized preconceived notions about Chicago. I didn't know anything about it. And I didn't live in the city. I lived in the suburbs, to be fair. It was extremely homogenous, just like a strip mall, concrete jungle, horrible weather. So after three winters in Chicago, I was just like, I was just miserable. And I really had this thought. <laughs> I think I've told this story so much that like, I don't even know. It seems to have lost its meaning, but this is really how it happened. I was like driving to work one day and I was like, if I just wrecked my car, I wouldn't have to go to work. And then I was like, I need to move. Like, I was like, I need to leave. Like, I can't keep doing this. So what I actually did was um, prepared to quit my job. And then I like looked at a map and I just decided I wanted to live somewhere warm. And at the time I was a TEDx volunteer and I asked the curator that I was working with whether he knew of any, um, like whether he knew anyone at TEDx Austin, um, Phoenix or Albuquerque, because those were like three cities that I saw in the Southwest on the map. And he just had tons of good things to say about TEDx ABQ and Albuquerque. Like he knew the founder, they had a really strong TEDx community. So I knew that I could, I knew I had a skill set that I could plug into a volunteer community right away. And my plan was to leverage that into finding a job. And I like, gave my manager my notice and was like, I'm going to move to Albuquerque. And then he was like, if you just want to move, like maybe you can work remotely, which is not even a thing that had crossed my mind. Cause mind you, this was pre pandemic working remotely was right, not wasn't popular yet. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. So um, like the short version of the story I tell was like, yeah, I just got cold and I wanted to live in the sun. <laughs> and you so- want to be in the Southwest. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know anyone when I moved here, but I did get to keep my job and work remotely. Um, and like, that's how I got here. As with most things, as with most things, it feels like you were more thoughtful about it in a lot of ways, honestly, like you did research, you met people before you came, or you went there, I suppose. Um, oh, I did take one trip. You're right. I did visit once. I came for a weekend and I attended a mindfulness conference. I met up with the founder of TEDxCBQ. Um, oh, I met a couple friends, actually. My first friends in Albuquerque, they are actually coming over to do a movie night tonight. We're still oh, friends. Oh, that's so fun. That's so sweet. Yeah. So what was like the moving process for you? Like, um, because one thing I hear a lot when I talk to people about moving to different to new places is the logistical piece of it like do I get a a shipping pod do I get a u-haul like what is that actually like and then also how much money did you spend doing that because I think that's a big thing people are really concerned about when they're moving because I think the job is one thing right like you had a stable income I found a new job And then it's like, okay, how do I move all my stuff from here to there? And I think we're in a unique situation because we moved all of our lives. And so it's not really a big deal for us. Yeah. And that you're right. So similarly, when I talk to people who like want to leave or, you know, move to a new city, I, I often find that the logistical piece is the most daunting. And for me, it's not daunting. It's just annoying. Like I'm in the process of moving right now, actually, into the house that I bought. And I just... I hate moving. Like I just hate packing yeah. stuff. But anyways, so um, I actually have walked a couple people through this process because uh, I've done it a few different ways. 
Uh, when I moved to Chicago from Kansas City, I rented a U-Haul um, pod. And so um, just how did we do that? I think dad hitched a trailer to his truck, picked the pod up, parked it outside of our apartment. We loaded all my stuff into it. And then um, dad hauled it back to U-Haul and then U-Haul shipped it to a U-Haul location in Chicago. And then I hired a company. They have companies that will like pick up your U-Haul pods and drop them off for like 48 hours so you can unload them and then come back and get them. Um, so that's a great option if you have things that you want to keep or don't want to replace, you want to take your furnishings with you. Yeah. Um, my move to Chicago was really expensive. I did get about six grand in relocation funds, oh. um, but I really, it was my first time moving on my own. So really where the expense came in was like, I was just doing a lot of retail therapy when I got to shoot there because I didn't have a lot else to do. <laughs> Um, I also had to live in a hotel for almost two months while I searched Craigslist, searched Craigslist for a roommate and tried to find someone to live with. So um, there's, I mean, I feel like the actual moving piece of it, like, you know, the pod and the pickups and all that was, it was less than two grand for that aspect, but then housing was a big expense and um, shopping at Target two or three times a week, like just, you know, to feel alive was a really big expense. Yeah. Um, I racked up credit card debt because of that move, because of all that. But I didn't do that when I moved to New Mexico, because when I moved to New Mexico, I had a bit of a clearer plan. And for that move, what I decided to do was only pack what would fit in my Subaru Impreza hatchback. So I sold things on Craigslist. Um, my roommate at the time was also moving. And so we had everyone that we knew and in, in the, we had everyone we knew come over for brunch. And we also hosted like an estate sale in our house. So we like had price tags on everything and a bunch of people took stuff home with them and just That's like amazing. bought it from us. It was a very effective way. Um, then we did a little like Facebook um, garage sale where we would just post pictures of things and ask people if they wanted. This was before Facebook Marketplace. So that's how we did that. And I just packed what fit in my car. Um, and there was obviously some expense when I got here because I did need to buy a few things. But at that time, I was really focused on minimalism. So like, I didn't have a bed or a mattress. I got like a $100 sleeping mat off Amazon and I slept on that for like almost a year. Just like rolled it out on the floor. I remember that face. <laughs> Owie. I slept really well on that. I missed that sleeping mat. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that phase. Yeah. So that was that was a little easier. And I think you would did you have a pod or did you just take what fit in your car when you moved to Seattle? Yeah, I just took what I could fit in. I had um a Honda CRV at the time. And so I just packed up bins of like my clothes. And I just took what fit. And then I also packed up like three big boxes. Um, They were originally computer monitor boxes that I had gotten from my work at the time. So I just filled up three computer monitor boxes and sent them media mail um, to my new apartment. And so when I first, so I just packed up the car. You drove with me from Kansas City to Seattle. We did it in three days. That was a long trip. And the AC broke on the way. That was horrible. Speaking of AC. <laughs> and then I stayed with a friend. So I knew two people when I moved here. 
and I stayed with one of the people that I already knew uh, for two weeks while I found an apartment. And that was really helpful because it's really hard to figure out where you want to live if you don't know the area very well. So you want to understand kind of like the vibe of the neighborhood that you want to live in and also seeing apartments sight unseen is such a risk because oh, you really have so no idea. Tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was really nice to be able to stay with her and, you know, get a feel for the city and find an apartment. So I found an apartment after two weeks. And then I just, during those two weeks, I kept everything in my car. So that was like a really weird transitional phase where I was, I started my job and I was just looked like I was living in my car. And so I just drove my car full of stuff to work every day. Um, but yeah, I mean, big furniture wise, I just bought everything at Ikea when I got here and I was able to furnish my entire apartment for $600. It was a studio, so it wasn't anything like, it wasn't a lot of furniture, I should say. So I got a couch for like 200 bucks off of Craigslist. I got a bed and a mattress from Ikea for like 300 bucks and then like some plates and silverware and stuff. So pretty sure I spent like $600 on all that stuff, but I think I'm less, definitely less attached to furniture, especially now that we have Facebook Marketplace. It's so easy oh, to yeah. buy and sell furniture. I think growing up, we always had these really big moving trucks and we would put all of our furniture in it and we would take everything with us. And I think if I were to move again now to a, a like a long distance move, I would do the same thing. I would get rid of everything and just rebuy it because I'm not attached to furniture. Yeah. And I don't have, I don't own anything right now. That's, you know, forever furniture. Right. Um, and same like Craigslist. I love buying furniture on Craigslist, Facebook marketplace too. Um, that is a piece of advice that I gave to some folks that I knew who moved out to the West coast a few years ago from Albuquerque and were really concerned about taking all their stuff. And I was like, no, honestly, like it does in a lot of cases, it does end up being more cost effective to sell your stuff, use that money you know, to pay for your gas or your food on your move or whatever, and then buy new stuff gently used when you get to your destination. Also, I recently joined a buy nothing group on Facebook. So the buy nothing project is all about sharing your abundance with your neighbors and that would make it even easier. So there's a, there's someone who lives in my neighborhood who moved here from Seattle recently. And, um, I gave her my queen size mattress and queen size bed frame. And I was happy to do it because I don't, I'm, you know, I got, I upgraded to a king size bed, so I didn't need it. Um, and I had considered selling it and I've sold a few other things, but when I saw her post about just having moved here, I was like, you know, this would be a good give and it would feel good to give this. So she got it for, for free, for free 99. Um, I love that. Yeah. I think pulling your resources like that is such a good thing to do when you're moving because People are so, I mean, buy nothing has really taught me how generous people can be and like how thoughtful people can be. I know that I gave away a lot of things. I've given away a lot of things on buy nothing that I just never needed. So what they had, what does Marie Kondo say when you give something away? You have to thank it for its service Mm -hmm. to you. It it performed its services for me and then I didn't need it anymore. Exactly. Um, So once you got settled, how'd you make friends? Um, well, the primary way I did it here in Albuquerque was by volunteering with TEDx ABQ. So, uh, because TEDx events are independently organized TED style conferences, it is a really long term thing that you can do where you're regularly meeting with a group of people and you're creating something together. 
Um, and a lot of people who volunteer for TEDx tend to be curious and people who love learning. Um, and so a lot of people I met through there naturally turned into friendships. Um, one of the uh, one of the women I met at TEDx invited me to join a writing collective. And so for a period of time, I was a member of an online blog um, that had a bunch of different women who wrote and contributed. And that's how I met another group of friends that I know here. Um, and then recently, I have got back on Meetup. So when I was in Chicago, I exclusively made friends through Meetup groups. That's like how I met everyone. Because besides work, well, I guess besides work in TEDx, that's not true. So I also did TEDx when I lived in Chicago. But um, I just started going to a Meetup book club. And actually, tomorrow, I'm going for a walk with the organizer of that book club. So um, I guess like my general friend making strategy is like show up at things um, say yes to a lot of things. So like the meetup organizer had reached out and said, you know, sometimes we get together outside of just our scheduled meetups. And if you'd like to do that, let me know. So my say yes policy is to respond to that with a yes and to go ahead with it. Um, because so much of making friends is just about showing up and being consistent. Uh, and then, and then I would say the last piece of it for me is just I really understand how much time it takes. So making friends as an adult, especially if you've never moved before, I think it can be jarring to realize how much time it takes to make friends. When you're in school, you have people that you're seeing every day, you're sharing a similar life experience, like you're on the same academic calendar, you might have some of the same exam dates. Like even, This is true even in college. But when you're an adult, you don't have that. So it really does take like two or three times as long to really establish the kind of friendship where you can just like make impromptu plans with somebody or um, like feel like you can call them up out of the blue. But because I know that, I have a little bit more patience for the process. Um, I've been here almost, I guess I've been here five years now. And I mean, I would say I'm really just starting to feel like some of my longest friendships are really deepening and kind of like going to that next level. Yeah, I hear you on being patient with the process of making friends because it really does take time. And especially, you know, making friends previous to like, I don't know, adulthood, I guess, post-college era of life is very, very different because like you said, there's this shared experience where you're all doing the same things, events are planned for you, and you're really able to bond over things that are, you know, very similar because everyone's going through the same thing in their life. So it is definitely difficult and you do have to put in the work to like make roots and, and new memories with people. Right. So, like, yeah, being intentional about it is so important. And I did the same thing as you. I used Meetup to meet new friends. Uh, I think maybe one thing I would have done differently is been more selective about what interest groups I went to. Like, mm-hmm. you went to a book club. So I think that's great because you enjoy reading and writing. I I really went to groups that were like women in their 20s or Seattle transplants or things like that. And what ended up happening, Seattle is just a very transient city. So I made a lot of friends that have since moved. And um, so that's, you know, a difficult part about living here is that people don't stay very long. It's like a one or two year place and then they move on to the next place. Um, And then similar to, I would say, Kansas City is like a lot of people here form their friend groups around 
their high schools or their colleges. So there's Mm -hmm. a strong kind of community for who you went to college with. So I think that can be very difficult. Um, But yeah, just being intentional and saying, I love the say yes thing. That's huge, you know? Because I have a tendency to want to be a homebody and stay indoors. So no, like I just want to relax when I'm tired and especially after a move. But a pretty strong policy, especially within the first year of a move, like it's a pretty much say yes to everything policy. And right now I'm actively um, I'm act I've actively set an intention to make new friends and widen and deepen my social circle. So I'm in another like say yes phase. The other thing that I thought of. Um, as you were talking about just all the different friend considerations is that there really is this sort of utilitarian need when you're making friends as an adult to recognize that some friendships are transactional, some are just functional and like other friendships are really for fun and enjoyment. And like occasionally you'll get both in one, but especially if you're in a city and you don't have family or you don't already have a social network that can act as a safety net, I think it's perfectly reasonable to just like make friends out of necessity and like be friends with people that um, know the area well, or that you can call on if you need a favor or in an emergency. And like, it's okay to just regard those as functional transactional friendships. Yeah, I think that's really important to recognize and know that not every friendship is going to be like a deep, lifelong kind of situation, right? Like, or someone that you feel like you can constantly share your deepest, like, thoughts and feelings. But like, have someone you can have fun with and like, someone you can go to local events with. If there's a beer festival you want to go to, like, you know, you can call this person and they're going to want to go with you. Exactly. Like, friends. Themed happy hour friend, great. Like, you... Maybe you already have your deep emotional processing friend. I do. I have a few of them. They live in other places in the country. You know, that's that's fine. Um, so, yeah, that's I feel like we've covered a lot of ground, like the logistics of moving, adjusting to a new city, jobs, friendships. Um, what I feel like I had one other question. Did I write it down? Um, yeah, it's this. So overall, so, you know, and I guess maybe we had, we, maybe we should have offered this context up front, but like we both grew up in the military. So we moved a lot growing up. Um, and so for a lot of reasons, moving to a new city wasn't some aspects of moving were not a huge deal for either of us, but it's still a completely different experience. Like moving in the military when you're a dependent and you have your family is a completely different experience than moving as an adult. But given all your experiences moving, and particularly your experience moving to Seattle, my, my last question for you is, um, would you recommend to another adult that they move to a new city? Oh my gosh, yeah. I think everyone should move to a new city if they want to. I, I can't tell you how many friends I have who continue to talk about wanting to move, and but the, you know they don't feel like they have the right tools or it's not the right time. And you know, I think life is always going to be busy. You're never going to, there's never going to be the right time. And so I think just do it if you want to. And, you know, especially post COVID, we live in an increasingly like digital world. So there's freedom in your jobs and there's freedom in your job. And also, you know, it's so, it's such a good experience. And one thing that I always told myself when I was leaving Kansas city is like, Kansas city will always be there. So if I move, even if it's for two months and I don't like it, what's the worst thing that happens? I go back to Kansas city. And I mean, I think for in my situation, you know, the best thing happened. I met my boyfriend, the love of my life. I bought a house. I 
like my career flourished and you know none of that would have happened you adopted a bunny I adopted a bunny oh my god she's actually right next to me she looked at me when I said that Mm you forget about me so um you know a lot of good things can happen and on the flip side it's like if you don't like it just go back why not what's the worst that can happen yeah I think Chicago was kind of like my worst case scenario like I moved to a place that I hated and was miserable um and I did consider going back to Kansas City and but instead I like took a different chance and but I had a similar thought process I was like you know I know I can get a job in Kansas City I know I can live in my childhood home or like in mom and dad's house I guess it's not our childhood home because we didn't move there till high school but like I know I can live at mom and dad's house if I need to um and I think like especially if you're somebody that has that sort of familial safety net or you have family that's established in a city there's even more reason to like strike out and and give it a shot um like if you don't want to great but I also do I hear people talk all the time about thinking about moving or wanting to move and just wanting to have the experience of living in a new city. And I think like in so many ways, it's, it's like this, um, like personal, it's like a personal development workshop on steroids. <laughs> like you are really going to put your problem solving to the test, your creativity, to the test, like you really get to see what you're made of <laughs> in this way that um, you don't really get a lot of chances to do that and you know I would say similar to you my my gamble worked out really well um also met a boyfriend that I love and adore and also bought a house and adopted a cat and has built a life here that I really love and looks very different than how I thought my life would look when I was in high school or college but um like it's still it's perfect for me and for where I'm at yeah, it, I mean, truly. And also, if you, if you like, have dreams of moving and you never do, I think that's okay, too. Like, if you feel comfortable in your life, that's really all that matters. And you can always travel and visit new places. Um, so by no means is it, like, a negative if you don't do it. But if you can and you have the time and the means, I definitely think that you should give it a go. And 10 out of 10, recommend. 10 out of 10, trying Should city. I move to a new city? Yeah, do yeah, it. Do it. Do it. Absolutely oh my gosh thank you so much for answering all my questions and sharing your unique perspective and your movie experience yeah this is a funny this is one of those things that is like kind of funny that we have oddly in common yeah i know right it's like this experience of of moving and finding a place to call home and, and building a life 